What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. Welcome to episode 86 of the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have learned to lead with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you, as we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and the place that God has put us. Well, as we enter fall of 2020, we have seen a lot of life this year. And I tell you what, when you're looking for normalcy and you're looking for, I need something to just square me up and get me back on the right track. I think today's conversation is going to be just for you. Today, I get to sit down with Adam Weber. He's the founder and lead pastor of Embrace Church, a multi-site church out of Sioux Falls, South Dakota, that was named by Outreach Magazine as one of the fastest growing churches in the United States. He also hosts a super popular podcast called The Conversation and has written two books. And today, we get to settle in on his latest book, Love Has a Name, learning to love the different, the difficult, and everyone else. And you are going to love this time with Adam Weber. We break down what loving others really looks like and why loving others is really the secret to positive leadership. I think you're going to have a good time. So I want you to do me a favor. I want you to pull up a chair and I want you to listen in to my time with pastor, author, podcast host, Mr. Adam Weber. Well, Adam, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you, buddy. Oh, it's a it's a pleasure. It's a two-way street. Honor to be on, Mike. Thank you so much for having me on today. Well, I mean, listen, you're a pastor, you're a podcast host, you're an author. I mean, you're wearing a lot of hats right now, brother. You got a lot going on. <laughs> I think uh, I always tell the uh, the crew here, if I'm not having a lot going on, there's something wrong. Like, check on me, make sure I have a pulse if I'm not got my hands in a few things every so often. So yeah, it's definitely uh, kind of how I'm wired and and yet it's been just an absolute joy and journey to follow the Lord and see what he has in store. Man, I love, I'd love to hear sort of the background of the story of Embrace Church. You guys are making a mark in South Dakota. I mean, it's not exactly where most people pull out the map and go, I think that's where I'm going to go plant my life. Tell me a little of the story of Embrace Church, because I have a feeling reading what I've read of your book, it has a lot to do with how you've written this book. So talk to me a little bit about the church, man. Yeah, so the church, I started uh, it back, we had our very first service back in 2006. I was 24 years old. I did not want to start a church. Uh, also, I would not let my 24-year-old self even drive my car right now. That's, you know? And so I'm like, uh, I'm like I, I didn't want to start a church. The, the, the church wasn't my idea. I wasn't on any social media, so there wasn't any cool people that I was looking at that were starting churches. I legitimately thought it was a terrible idea, but the pastor who led me to Christ 
had the idea and I just didn't have the courage to say no to him. So I'm born and raised from South Dakota. I spent three years in Kentucky when I went to get my master's in seminary at Asbury. And we had no intention of ever going back. I can remember my first winter, I'm putting that in quotes, that I experienced in Kentucky. Basically, winter does not exist in Kentucky. <laughs> quick, quick side note. And I'm just, I remember call, I, call, I called my dad and I was like, dad, why have you spent your entire life in South Dakota? So we had no intentions. I mean, we were, we were going to visit and then we were going to hop on planes and come out of the yep. frozen frozen glacier. And so, um, but came back uh, through the craziest circumstances, ended up having um, a, a get together one night and 32 people showed up. Mm. That, was, that was September 4th, 2006. And um, the pastor who had the idea, he was elated and I was depressed that people came because I was sure that people weren't going to come. Um, so we didn't have a church name. Um, I was still living in Kentucky for a full nine months before we actually lived in Sioux Falls. Basically, everything we did is the backwards way to start a church. And so through the craziest circumstances, I ended up starting the church and um, really since day one, and, and it continues today. And I don't, this isn't a joke. It's how I feel. Um, I'm so thankful God can use the most unlikely of people because mm-hmm. that's my story. Um, I, st- I, <clears throat> you know, I didn't have a desire to be a pastor. And yet I'm so thankful God can um, use me because um, in our church is the most, it's the, just the most unlikely of people um, to be even in a church and to to want to follow Jesus. And um, so it's been just a fun ride. And um, we, we experienced uh, basically a decade of insane growth, kind of went through a hard season a couple of summers ago. And now just seeing God move once again. And um, I just give thanks for everything he does. And I, I can't believe the journey that we've been on. It's been a fun ride. And um, again, if in the Old Testament, if God, if God can speak through a donkey, maybe he That's can right. do it again. So, That's right. That's right. You know, it's so funny because we started. So we're 23 years old. So we're 10 years ahead of you guys. Yeah planning. And I had a guy the other day, he said, would you do it again? I went, no, I would not no. do it. But it was fun. And I learned a lot of great lessons, but I don't want to do it again. And, you know, it was funny as I read your book, Adam, and we read lots of books and get in the host podcast, meet, meet amazing people. But I could see the heart you have for love. And so much of that is a pastor's heart. And yeah. I love your new book, Love Has a Name. And I know you wrote the first one on prayer. And yes. this one, this one on love, Tell me the driving force behind a book like this. What drove you to want to write this book? Yeah, I think two things. I think early on when I first had the idea, it was kind of the the next step. Okay, prayer and talking with God and establishing a relation that relationship with Him, and then really the next step is loving others. So I had that idea. And then uh, I share about this really open in, in the book. I went through just a really hard summer a couple of summers ago and just some hard stuff. I made a hard decision and um, it wasn't a popular one. And uh, it was during the time that I never had struggled to love people more in my life. Uh, Usually joy and love and kindness and quirkiness is my strong suit. Well, during that time, it was the last thing I wanted to do. And so it's like, gosh, what does it look like to love from this perspective? And I can remember my agent, she told me, she's a longtime editor for major pastors and authors and this kind of thing. She said, Adam, I loved your idea when you first had the idea. Now that you've gone through this, now I want to read a book on what it looks wow. like to love people. Wow. And, I'm think, and I thought, wow. She's like, before this, you naturally just do this. Like, 
But now that is hard. Now I want to hear what, what love's all about. And, and so it's kind of ironic. Love is a banner that our world and universe carries. I mean, if you have a soul, you better like carry the banner of, of love. And yet I would argue uh, that love has never been more absent in many, in many ways. Right. I mean, we're, uh, we can be divided over anything, over a virus uh, you know, race, I mean, like you name it, we can be divided over it. And so we carry the banner of love and yet we're, we're quick to shake our fist at other drivers. We're quick to trash people online. We're quick to, to judge the person who thinks or looks or acts differently than we do. And so it's like, wow, it's just this weird thing of like, everybody's shouting it. And yet few people are living it. And then Jesus comes along and is like, Oh, by the way, loving God and loving others. It's the most important thing. Yep. It's like, you made a what great, do I do with that? I know. And you made a great point. I really never thought about this before. You, you made a point in, in your book that, that it gets harder to love as you get older. You know, you think we would do better at it when we get older, but yet we were probably better at love when we were younger. Why is that the case? Yeah. I can remember in high school, uh, there was a couple people. We I was in a small town, and there was a couple of old people that were just like uh, the most bitter. You know, like I'm like, at what point do you become an old bitter hag? You know what I mean? <laughs> and I, I couldn't even fathom it. I'm like, at what point does that happen? Like, man, it's it's got to be really hard to turn out like that. Mm. So now I'm I'm 38 years old. I asked the same question, but complete opposite. Now I'm like, how do you get to that age and have a soft heart? Mm. How do you get to that age and still assume the best about people? How do you get to that age and and still just care for the person who has nothing to offer you in return? And, you know, I think there's few who can make it to that place. um, But the only way that I found out to get to that place is Jesus. That's right. And so it's like, Jesus, I have nothing figured out when it comes to love. This is really the heart of the book. I have nothing figured out when it comes to love, but you have everything figured out. I, I, can, I can remember, uh, you know, years of preaching now. Um, it, oftentimes you'll read the gospel and there'll be two miracles. Uh, you know, he'll heal somebody and he'll heal somebody. And then in between, there's these transition verses yep. that bring us from one story to the next. Well, in the past, I'd always, I'd always focus on the two miracles because who wouldn't want to talk about the miracles? And now I find myself focusing on the transition verses. And the miracles are oftentimes what we look to as like, that's what makes Jesus so different than me. And now it's totally opposite. I'm like, no, those transition verses are the verses that make it so different for me. Because oftentimes this is what the transition verses are. Jesus did a miracle. Many walked away from him. Mm. And Jesus did a miracle. My story is, if I had the ability, I would do a miracle. And then if people hurt me, if people wrong me, if people walk on me, whatever, there's no chance in the world that I'm going to do another miracle. And yet Jesus does again. It's like his ability to love people is what makes him so other than me. That's right. It's just like, how do you do it? Yeah. Um, And so that is really the heartbeat of the book is looking at Jesus. And then throughout the book, every chapter is a person's name of someone who has either loved me or someone that I've tried to love Mm. 
paired with a similar person that Jesus loves. And what I, what I hope that encourages the person is, uh, first off, there are so many different people. Maybe it's been a pastor, a teacher, uh, uh, a, a garbage man that's shown you love in some way. It's pretty cool to think that uh, anybody can show the love of Jesus. And that's also encouraging for someone like me that's broken. It's like anybody can show the love of Jesus. And so through these different people, none of them are famous. None of them have platforms. They are everyday people. Um, they've taught me so much about what the love of Jesus looks like. And so just kind of looking at their model, but more importantly, Jesus's model. It's like, okay, I can do this. And maybe I can end up 70, 80 years old on my front porch with a soft heart. Mm. I love that vulnerability because I think it's so easy for people to go, well, you're a pastor. I mean, you must, love must come really natural and everybody loves you back, right? I mean, you're the pastor and you're this esteemed guru of spiritual things, but yeah. love for everybody is hard, whether it's marriage, whether it's oh. parenting, whether it's it's in the workplace or on the street corner, it's hard. Why do you think love is so hard for us to get our arms around what Jesus kind of love that we're going to talk about, why that Jesus kind of love is so different than ours? What would you say? Um, it's, it is hard to get your, your mind around. Um, I, I think it's hard because we're, we're so human and other people are human towards us. And then it just like goes from bad to worse. Mm. I mean, you, 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 you leave us alone without Jesus and we will, it's the survival of the fittest. <laughs> and it's, uh, what have you done for me today? You know, not like, what have you done for me today? Like last week, but like right now today, what have you done for me? And that's what I'll maybe consider doing for you where Jesus turns it upside on its head. You know, we're quick to ask who's the greatest and what's someone going to do for me. And Jesus says, the last will be first. And the uh, uh, last thing he says before he goes to the cross, I want to show you what love looks like. And he takes off his, you know, his robe and he ties it around his waist. And even them, are, like the disciples are like, you can't do this. Yep. Like you're at the top. Like you can't do this. This is for the people at the bottom. And Jesus just constantly turns the, the thing upside down. And yet what's so, and this is what I get to at the end is uh, John had this figured out and he bragged about how fast he was and how much he was this, but he, he's, he was the one that Jesus loved. And that's a title that I struggle to be defined by, if I'm being honest. Um, but yet when we become defined by that, it changes everything that who, who am I? Well, I'll tell you about this and this later. And even some good things, like I got four kids and I'm married to an amazing woman. I'll get to that as well. But first and foremost, I want to be like John. Mm -hmm. I'm the one that I'm the one that he loves. And one of the things John says in one of his letters is, um, whenever we, um, love one another, that perfect love is found inside of us. Yep. And I had this aha moment a little while back. I used to always think that that just applied to the other person. When we love somebody, they see the image of Jesus inside of us. And yet I, I couldn't help but think that anytime I choose to love someone like Jesus brought me to love in those moments, I'm filled with something I can't explain. You know, generosity, all of a sudden, it's just, you just get this feeling that you can't explain, or you mm -hmm. do a random act of kindness with no strings attached, you get this feeling that you can't explain. And uh, I'll never forget reading through that, that letter of John. And for the first time, I'm like, why does it feel so good to love somebody with no strings attached and expecting nothing? And then I just had this moment, 
because his love is made perfect mm. in, inside of us. It's not even just for the other person, but his love is made perfect inside of us. And because um, we're close to the heart of Jesus in those moments when we're loving that way. And I'm just like, man, that's, that's, that's why it's so addicting to be generous and to, to serve somebody with no strings attached. It's because, man, it, it's being out there. They're seeing the perfect love inside of me, but it's also inside of me. Yeah. And we, we were talking before we went on air. We, you know, your church, my church are pretty, we're churches founded on, it's a guilt-free place. I mean, you come on in, this isn't a guilt thing, man. Jesus yeah. loves you for who you are. If somebody gets that and they go, he loves me because he wants to love me. He knows my name. He knows my story and he loves me anyways. I heard Tim Keller say it the other day. It's, it's, receive, not achieve, right? What changes in a person's journey if they, it's exactly what you're talking about, if they receive that love from Jesus that way, what can it do for them in their spiritual life, in their personal life, in their relationships? What can that do for them if they receive that love from him that way? It changes everything. It changes everything. And uh, I, I, for anybody listening who's an Enneagram person, I'm a number three, which is an achiever. Um, in my soul, I'm, I'm geared to achieve and I'm fulfilled by achievement. And also I've learned through society uh, to receive love through achieving. Mm-hmm. And so it's so ingrained in me. Theologically, I would never in a million years ever say that we need to achieve anything to receive God's love. And yet on my own, I act like that and I live out of that every single day that I don't start on my knees with an understanding of who God is. And, and I grew up with a father who I never had to achieve his love a day in my life. My, 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 my dad has loved me well since day one. And yet when it comes to God, I have this change in me yeah. that it's like, no, I got to achieve this. And he's, he, this, the father's love is just like, no, I've achieved it all for you. And I just want to sit with you and delight in you, like delight in you. And Adam, I'm so pleased with you. And when we understand that, it changes, it changes everything. I mean, in, in the church, every single day, I'm having to preach into that mm-hmm. because we assume the opposite. Sure. You know, our world, our world, again, what have you done for me today? Yep. Uh, I did this for you. What are you going to do for me? Uh, well, I mean, all every interaction we have, even in marriage, oftentimes, yeah, you know, like I did this, you do that. I do this, we do that. I mean, it's all about achieving. Really, the only relationship that I think is outside of that is that parent-child relationship. I, I keep wondering. I'm like, I've actually started thinking about this. I'm like, what have my kids done for me? Hmm. Need to start paying rent. I'm, 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 I'm joking. It's the, I'm it's kidding the, and I'm kidding. Yeah, it's it's the only relationship that yep. we resemble God in naturally. Because any other relationship, I would be like, these humans. They eat all my fruity pebbles. They steal all this thing. I lose sleep over them. Like they barge in my bedroom. If anybody else barged in my bedroom, like my five year old does, I'd have them arrested. Yep. And but that's the kind of love that God has for us, infinitely greater with a father with no imperfections like I have. And so if we begin to live in that, and that sounds 
pie in the sky and lovey-dovey and all this kind of stuff. And and sometimes love doesn't always look like love, just to say that as well. He's not mm-hmm. this this guy that's like, oh, do whatever you want, like whatever. That's that's not the case ever either. But when we begin to understand that we're loved by God, it changes everything. And you can see the people who live into that. Um, there was an old minister, longtime Baptist preacher, 93 years old. Uh, he passed away a few years back. He was one of my closest mentors and um, really well known by mayors and it kind of everybody. I mean, just because he was just a known figure in our area. And yet his heart was so soft. And he treated the mayor of Sioux Falls no different than the single mom waitress that was working two jobs. And you could just tell he, he knew that he was loved by God. There was no achieving in him. Because if you're achieving, I don't have time for the single mom, but mayor, could you sit down here? That's right. And, um, and uh, he treated the, may, uh, the single mom, I would say in many ways, better than the mayor. Uh, and I, I'll never forget two different circumstances where the mayor literally walked past our table uh, in different days. And he was very kind and whatever else, but to our, our, our waiter, I mean, he treated like they were a, a millionaire and, and that wasn't the case. And you just knew that he understood uh, and lived into the love of God and it changed everything about him. Can you, can you love others properly if that, if you haven't received the love from God, like you're talking about? I mean, that's for a lot of people, that's transformational. If I haven't received that correctly and I feel like I'm achieving and I've got to earn it, is it possible for me to love others like I could without that? Um, That's a great distinction. I think we can to some degree, because I think uh, we have, we're made in the image of God. So there's aspects of us that resemble Jesus, even if we're not connected to him. Like we, we just have this imprint on us. It's that, it's that conscience in us of like, uh, I don't want anything to do with God, but I know that's wrong. You know, so that there's some of that evidence in us that's just yep. there. Um, but again, life takes it out of us really, really quick. And that's why I think you see that old bitter person It's just like, it's just taking it out every single day. And they just got a little harder and a little harder and a little bit more untrusting, the more untrusting. And that's just kind of gone. But it's like to the same degree, it's impossible. Uh, At least it is for me. And again, kindness and joy and assuming the best would be my strong suit. And yet at 38 years old, I, I, I have next to none left in my soul without him. And yet when we're connected to him, he's the source of joy and peace and love. Oftentimes we talk about being deep Christians. For me, uh, early on, it would have, I would have been like, what's your understanding of Wesley's and Luther's theology? That would have kind of showed me your depth. That's the furthest thing that I look for now. If someone says that they want to, they want to go deeper. Uh, I'm like, man, you want to start with the fruits of the spirit. Um, because I know those things I can flub all day, Luther's theology and Wesley's theology and Kelvin's theology and whatever else and get away with it. The one thing I can't reproduce on my own is that darn fruit of the spirit. That's right. It's like, man, the moment I'm not connected to him in my own life, the, the love of Jesus, it's as clear as my lamp. I got a lamp over here. If you uh, unplugged it and all of a sudden I'm like, man, that darn lamp was just working two seconds ago. I don't know what the heck happened to that lamp. Well, you might want to plug it in, Adam. Yeah. Oh, okay. <gasps> now it's working again. And then uh, I unplug it and I'm like, that darn 
lamp's not working again. That guy didn't fix it. That stopped by to fix it. You know, Adam, you unplugged your lamp again. It's actually really plug it. Oh my gosh. That, I mean, that is legitimately how I feel about God's love in my soul. It's like the moment I unplug it, it's just like it disappears and I start keeping score. And what have you done for me? But when I'm plugged into it, when I'm plugged into Jesus, when I'm asking for his, his spirit just to fill me from the inside out, it just starts flowing and I, I can't contain it. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. And there's no limit to it. And why are you doing this for this person? I don't know. It's like, I can't stop, but shine. Like I got, I'm plugged into this source. It's what I do. It's like the light just goes, you know, so so sometimes, sometimes it's so simple things where you're just like, yep. man, and, and the older I get, the more that lamp analogy becomes it's just like it's just that crystal clear for me that's so good you man i love in the book too you you did a great job telling the story of zacchaeus so it's story we all learn as children if if you think we had zacchaeus was able to zoom in on this call with us and he he popped up in the third the third third box there and he said let me tell you what jesus love felt like what do you think you would tell us? That's one of the coolest questions. Uh, Mr. Zach is one of my favorite fellows <laughs> in the Bible. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know what he would say. I think he would be without words, honestly. Because mm. uh, Zacchaeus, I just think um, most of his life, his name was, was someone, uh, was a name that he wished nobody knew because of mm. what he was doing. Mm. And so he didn't want anybody to know his name. And he had money uh, and, you know, some position in that money with the Roman government. So he was a little bit of a known person with them, but then had no status with his own people. And then Jesus knew his name. And I just think about um, any the, the more higher you get money wise and whatever, typically the more let's not make a show type person you are. Yep. And I just think there was something in that guy. I just picture him in a business suit today. There was something in that guy that was so curious to know about Jesus. Basically, he was so empty and unsatisfied with his life that he was make, willing to make a fool of himself and climb up this tree. Mm. And um, there's, a, there's a fellow right now in the church, very different occupation. He's not doing anything shady or illegally, so this breaks down. Um, he's got to be 60-some years old. He's an executive here in town. And it's like he's a kid when it comes to Jesus right now. I mean, he's just like, uh, and Adam, anytime you want to meet, we'll get together. And um, I'm reading my Bible for the very first time. I mean, he's just, I think, so Zacchaeus, awesome. I think Zacchaeus would be much like him, mm. of just this wonder and this, how have I missed this in my entire life? Like, how didn't I know about Jesus until now? Mm. And I think if that same thing, Zacchaeus would just be like, um, I'm, I'm going to use all my wealth and I'm going to do anything I possibly can. And Hey, do you need $10,000? Because I could help you. And that lady over there, Oh, she, everybody doesn't want anything to do with her. Cause she's had four divorces. She's kind of crazy. Like, yep. you know, she, she can't, you know? And so I just think that, I think that would be Zacchaeus. He'd be just the guy that's yep. like using, <laughs> I love just it. like, you know what I'm saying? And so I oh, think yes. that's what, I think that's what Zacchaeus would be all about. And Zacchaeus is one of my favorite people. Because uh, back the moment I'm not walking with Jesus, 
I find myself climbing trees looking for something that will fill me. Mm. And that's Zacchaeus. He's like, what I'm doing right now isn't working. And so I don't care how much of a fool it makes me. I'll do it. I'll climb any tree you got for me to look at this guy who supposedly just healed a man on the edge of town. And I just want to see if the word about him is true mm. because, mm. because I'm, I'm miserable. And so I just want to see if it's true. And so and if he can do that for somebody else, maybe he can do it for me. And, oh, he knows my name and he wants to come over to my house. Are you kidding me? Yep. That's the part of the story I love. You do such a great job breaking. He knew his name. He got to know his story. And that's so much of love. Final question I've got for you today, Adam. You're a dad and you're a husband. Two greatest hats you'll wear. You're a podcaster. Yeah. You're a pastor. You are an author. You do all kinds of other things. But being a dad and husband are as good as they come. Good as they come. How do you want your wife and your children to describe how you love them? What would you say? Oof, such a great question. Something that I just started feeling about a year ago is at my funeral, I hope the first people to speak are my wife and kids. I'll be grateful if there's people who say, that pastor impacted my life. And um, I heard him, I read his book, I, I listened to his podcast. I'd be so humbled if some of those said something, sure. But the people that I'll care most about is what my wife and my kids have to say. And I hope they say my dad was so quick to admit he was so far from perfect. Mm. Uh, last night, I, I was in a call with Nikki Gumbel, and he said, I've been proven wrong so many times in my life. And I'm like, I, just, I was just like, I'll raise both hands to that. But I hope they talk about how imperfect I was and how much I showed them just the love of Jesus, um, just in the kind, unspoken ways that they saw those, you know, just the way that I treated my wife. Um, on the day-to-day, -day, not the anniversaries and the birthdays and the Mother's Days, but on those in-between days, how I treated her and how I loved her. And then just them, I hope, I hope I have a love that on their worst day, the first person they think about calling is me. Instead of feeling like they need to stay away from home or feeling like, what will dad say? How is he going to react? I hope on their worst day, they, I'm their first person they call and say, hey, dad, I screwed up. Or, hey, dad, uh, my, my girlfriend broke up with me. Or, hey, dad, I lost my job. Or, hey, dad, I, I got caught up in some things I wasn't supposed to be doing. And I don't know how I got to this place, but I knew I could call you. Mm. So that'd be success for me is on their worst day that they'd want to be close to me. Uh, knowing that, um, you know, I'll speak into them and say, hey, that wasn't right. What you did wasn't okay. Can we do anything to make it right? Awesome. But I just want you to know that uh, on your worst day, I'm still beside you. I'm still proud of you. I'm still here. I even see like, uh, I always think about the parents of someone who's murdered somebody. And um, you'll see their mom and dad often still in the front row. Nobody's on their side of the room except mom and dad. And um, that right there, that's the love of the father. You know, that's, I mean, that's, that gives us a picture of God's love. Anybody can be there on your best day, but on your worst day, man, God is close to the brokenhearted. On our worst days, our God, our God is so present. He's so close to us. And um, gosh, if I can, if I can show that to my kids, to my wife, um, to my close friends, to the staff I get to work with, that'd be success in my eyes. So I hope Adam Weber is a name that people think of 
man, it's my worst day. I'm going to call that guy. That'd be success for me. I hope you enjoyed that time with Adam. That was good stuff, wasn't it? You know, it's so nice to sit down with a leader and you hear in their voice and you hear in their heart, they get what it's really all about. And Adam gets it. And Love Has a Name is one of those books that you just enjoy. You put it down and you're so glad you read it and you're better for it. Adam, thank you so much for pouring into us today so we can go out and pour into others. Our next episode, we get to sit down with Jamie Beckler. Jamie's another great author, another motivational speaker that travels across the country, and a great podcast host of Success is a Choice, where he interviews some of America's greatest leaders. It is going to be another fun one. Well, if you have enjoyed the Lynch with a Leader podcast, thank you so much for listening in. If you hit pause now, though, and leave us a review on iTunes and let folks know how you found us, tell them a little bit about what you get out of it, and it does help others find their way to us. Once again, thanks for tuning in today, and my prayer is that you'll go out and be the leader that you were created to be in the space and place that God has put you. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com. 